So today, I want to look at part three of this series. Celebrate, soak, which was the acronym, and then today is saturate. How many love being saturated in the Holy Ghost? And by the way, just a reminder, if your kids are down on the other end and the kids of hope, uh, they're going to be hearing a similar message, not exactly the same, but similar. So be sure and talk to them today about what it means to be saturated in the Lord. In the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, Moses, King David, and many others, they, they commonly did something that we've kind of lost sight of today, and that is they made altars. They made altars. Now, if you were going to a Catholic church or something like that, where they still do a liturgy type thing, then you would still see a, a big altar right in the middle, raised up higher than everything else. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? That's how they used to do it. That's how they did it in the Old Testament. And I believe today that God wants us to understand what that Old Testament altar was about and what a New Testament altar might look like. So let's start with this. What is an altar? And I, I always like to give a definition today from Merriam-Webster's dictionary. And it says, an altar is a usually raised structure or place on which sacrifices are offered or incense is burned in worship, often used figuratively to describe a thing given great or undue precedence. You still with me? Or something that's valued, especially at the cost of something else. You know, when you serve God, if it doesn't cost you anything, you are completely missing the point. Right? So, Here's my definition. It's pretty simple. My definition of, of an altar is it's a place where you put things you value. That's what an altar is. It's a place where you put things. And I should, should have added maybe that you highly value. Because we value a lot of things. I value the first thing I do in the morning. The older I get. Right? Getting coffee, she said. That wasn't what I was thinking. I was thinking the other end, getting rid of it. But, but that's, that's not like way up on my list. But if I don't do it, then it can really cause issues. But there are certain things that you and I have in our lives that we hold up here. Sometimes it might be a spouse, it might be a child, it might be your money. But hopefully, 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 it's your relationship with the mighty God, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's look at that today. In the Old Testament, the altar was a place found in the temple where there would be blood sacrifices offered. Now, I've seen pictures. I've never actually watched a blood sacrifice. But I've heard it can get pretty gruesome, especially after 10,000 people go through. And, and, you know, I'm not trying to gross anybody out, but they would, you know, the animal and blood would spill all over the place. And then the people would wait, hoping that that sacrifice that they made to God that day through the priests 
that that sacrifice would be enough and that God would forgive them of their sins. That was the Old Testament. That's what they did on the altar. How many are grateful? You're not here not right now. Can you imagine the smell? Have you ever been to a slaughterhouse? Oh my. I'm thankful for Jesus. Because the Bible says what? Once and for all, he became a sacrifice for you and for me. So that we don't have to worry about the blood sacrifices anymore. In fact, Scripture to go along with that, 1 Peter 3.18, Christ suffered or died for all our sins once and for all time. Past, present, future, all. Is there anything not under the blood? No, it's all there. He never sinned, the Bible says, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. Oh, man, I'm telling you what, when I read that, <laughs> I'm one of those that when I read the scriptures, every time I read it, it's like brand new to me. It's not because I have dementia. How many find that? You read a scripture and it's like, God just, pfft. read that again. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you and me safely home to God. He suffered physical death. But in the end, what? He was raised to life by the Spirit. And we're going to celebrate that in just a few weeks. We call it Easter, Resurrection Sunday. But not to get ahead of us ourselves. As a result of Jesus' sacrificial act, the altar became a thing of the past. I've heard that the Jewish people are going to resurrect this at some point in the near future. Maybe an end time thing. Where, where's Drew at? Yeah, he's, he's saying, yeah. <laughs> you probably read all, they're already getting ready. I've heard they have the animals ready, which was very, is a huge thing. In pieces, in pieces, yep. It'd take them about two or three days to put it together. That's what we're told. Hey, they're ready to bring this thing back. But the idea of making an altar is, I use the word archaic, but it's, it's past tense. We don't, we don't have to do that anymore, and I'm so thankful for that. But hear this part. It still has value. The altar still has value. It can be a place of transformation and even wonder. How many know that God wants us to wonder about him? He has things to share with us that we never knew if we let him, if we give him permission to interrupt our lives, if we actually make time for him. Hello. Which seems to be the biggest problem with most of us who live in America. You know, if you had to walk 30 miles to the next village to get someplace, you might spend a little more time thinking about God because what else are you going to do? But when you can jump in that Corvette that you drive and crank up the jams, roar, so you got the roar of the motor, you got the rate of, 
I don't know what kind of music that is, but anyway, whatever you listen to. And God's up there in that still small voice going, Hello? Hello? What are you hearing? You with me? If we don't make time for Him, we'll never hear from Him. And I believe we're at a place right now, and I, I felt this strongly with this message that God is saying to you and to me, I want you. I want to spend time with you. Make time. Make time. When I was a young believer, yeah, I was young once. In my 20s, when I first came to the Lord, and, and for several years after, before we went to Bible college, I found myself going to the altar all the time. Now, I'm not talking about something up here. I'm talking about this place. You see, the altar is also a place defined by space where we worship Him. It's, it's separated for just getting closer to God. There's nothing special about this up here other than this is where I choose to make my altar. You can do it at home, right, Mac? You can do it anywhere. You can do it in your car. You can have an altar in your car. Keep your eyes on the road, though. And as a young man, I, I would hear the, the preaching of the minister, and, and then at the end of the service, they would usually give what they called an altar call. We don't do that as much anymore, but maybe we're missing it. Because it's a, it's a tangible place. It's a place where you have to take steps to get there. And what you're saying to God is, Lord... I want all that you have for me. And as a young man, I would do that. I would, I would run sometimes to the altar because I knew that there were things between him and me that I wanted to lay down and get rid of. I wanted nothing to be between the Lord and myself. Do you feel that way? And, and honestly... The more time I spend at the altar, the more of Him that I felt on me and in me. I felt saturated in the Spirit. But I had to do that. I had to make that place an altar. How are you doing with that? Let me ask you this. Do you have a place of honor for the Lord in your heart? And by heart, I'm not talking about that physical muscle. I'm talking about your emotions, your very being, your spirit. Do you have a place for him that's just for him? My mother-in-law, years ago, she's gone on to be with Jesus, but she had what we called the pink room. Anybody else? You know where I'm going with this, right? It was, it was a, a room that was separated, and only her special guests could go in that room. And 
And all of her pink furniture had plastic on it. I never understood that. If they're your special guests, why do you need plastic? I always thought that's for me because I'm messy. No, we could go anywhere else in the house but stay out of the, the pink room because that was for her bridge club girls. Because they was special. And it's awesome that she did that. She honored those ladies. We need to do the same with him. He wants a special place in your heart. A place, so when he comes home, I'm going to get to this, when he comes and visits you, because you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're his house on earth. And when he comes and visits you, do you have a place set aside for him where nothing else is going to interrupt? That's what he wants from us. How many can say amen? Listen to this. In Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, and again I'm reading the NLT here. So now, you Gentiles, now what's a Gentile? A non-Jew, all right? You had your Jewish people, and that's who Jesus came for first, and then the Gentile, the non-Jew. So now you Gentiles, the Apostle Paul said, are no longer strangers and foreigners. Isn't that good news? You are, I love this, citizens along with all of God's holy people. We're lumped right in there with them. We're part of God's family. We are family. Anyway, you are members of God's family. Verse 20, together we are his house. Oh, I love this. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. Hallelujah. And then the final two verses, we are carefully joined together. Do you think God makes mistakes? Look around this room right now. There isn't a person here that's here by mistake. You were knit here. You were brought here by the Holy Spirit, and he is knitting us together for such a time as this. We are carefully joined together in him. This is the part that got me last week. Becoming, where is it? Becoming a holy temple for the Lord. When we come together, it's like God's like, there's a holy temple right there. All my kids are together. Let's go have a family reunion. That's what he does with us. Hallelujah. In the final verse, through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. God lives in you. He lives in me. That's scary. Yet it's, it's warming. God loves to inhabit the hearts of his people. That means that he lives in each one of us if we're a believer. There's a hotel that, excuse me, <coughs> there's a hotel that says, we'll leave the light on for you. <clears throat> I wasn't expecting to hear it, but thank you, Jeff. Motel 666. No. <laughs> I felt like the Holy Spirit downloaded this into me, and he said, 
Ask the people, will you leave the light on for me? Will you leave the light on for me? For Jesus. When he wants to come and visit you at any time of the day or night, will you leave the light on for him? Or are you one of those that are like, no, hey, it's after 8 o'clock. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. I got other, other idols over here I got to deal with. You know, Jesus, turn the light off because you don't want him coming. He wants to know, can I come anytime and visit you? Or will you be embarrassed? Will you leave the light on for him? I believe that what the Lord is saying to his church is, and we sensed this last week, he wants to pour himself. Not just a little sprinkling. He wants to pour himself into you and me. Into his church. You see, we're getting to a place where the church has to decide, am I in love with him or not? And if I'm not, go somewhere else. But if I am, man, I want all God has for me. Just like that little boy years ago. That young man years ago in my 20s. And you know what the the Holy Spirit said to me? He said, Norm, why aren't you still like that? And I was like, I had no answer. I'm the pastor. I had no answer. I remember getting together. We would get off of work at General Motors. We'd we'd get out of work about midnight-ish. And we would meet at the church at one in the morning, and just a bunch of guys. It was weird, quite frankly, because I, I wasn't used to that. I mean, whenever I did things before Jesus, before Christ, it was usually we went to the bar after work. Now, after I was born again, after I fell in love with Jesus, now what am I doing in the middle of the night? I'm, I'm going and praying with a bunch of other crazy men. Till three, four in the morning, you could feel the presence of God there. And the Lord said to me, Norm, what changed? Am I not the same yesterday, today, and forever? And I'm like, ouch. I've changed, Lord. Not you. Forgive me. And you know, that's what we need to do. Ask Him for forgiveness. Say, Lord, forgive me for not having a place of honor for you in my life. Whenever you want to come visit me, Lord, you come. I'm going to leave the light on. That's what he wants from us. He wants us all to go back to our first love. Now here's a problem. Too many professing Christians have way too much junk in your trunk. Say, junk in your trunk. What am I talking about? Idols. Little, little gods. Little G's. Here's where the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to be telling them right now what's going on in their life. When you get to this point, they're going to hear my voice. He's speaking into you right now, that little God that you're dealing with. Or maybe, maybe little gods, plural. And what's he saying to us? He's saying, son, daughter, I love you way too much to let you continue like you have been going. And I am expecting 
change in your life. I am expecting. You can't do it, but I can if you'll let me in. By the blood of the Lamb, He will cleanse you of all your sin, and He will make you a new person, and that includes getting rid of those little idols that you have set up on that altar that's reserved for God and God alone. But here's the thing. You and I need to be, say that, intentional. We need to be intentional. I already said this earlier. You cannot just expect that God's going to pour himself into you. You have a part in this. Your part is to make room for him. I hope this is resonating with you. One of the words that we got, one of the prophetic words we got was the, the prophecy said something to the effect, it's time to grow up, my people. It, it's time to go after the new wine, the Lord said. To go after him with all your heart, mind, soul, and body. To do that, you need to get out the new wine skins because the old will no longer do. How many know the Holy Spirit wants to pour a new wine into us? But you can't use the old wineskins. You have to prepare yourself. What's the alternative? What if, what if you were to say to me, Pastor, you know what? Hey, I like where I'm at and I really don't want any new wine. What's, what's the result of that? Stagnation. Death. Impotence. The church today is impotent because it's still resting on its laurels from yesterday. God forgive us. Hypocrisy. We refuse to change. So we continue looking like we looked yesterday. But it ain't going to work much longer. He's calling us out. As we soaked last week, we all opened our hearts to the Lord. Some of us were called to make sacrifices. The Holy Spirit pointed out specific things in our lives that needed to change. And that's a good thing. If God loves you, He's going to discipline you. But you have to be listening. And you can't be rebellious. You can't say no, like your kids do sometimes. No, I don't want to hear that. No, I don't want to do that. We can't be that person anymore. He's calling us to a higher place. We've got to be willing to do whatever He says without questions asked. If He says do it, we what? Do it. That's pretty simple. Now hear this part. Sin anchors us to our past. It's like throwing out a great big old boat anchor. Have you ever seen some of those cargo ships? The chain links are this big around. And that's what some of us do. We throw out one of those giant acres because we refuse to get rid of the sin that's so evident to you. Maybe others don't see it. Some of you are really good at hiding things. But God's saying, cut the anchor. Cut the anchor. You, you sang that song today. Oh, man, I meant to say that. Every song today 
had something to do with this message. He's a chain breaker. Yeah, give him a hand. What kind of chains are holding you back from the best? And get this. If you truly want to move to a new level with new wine skins, then you what? Must be willing to do the hard things. Christianity, being a a lover of Jesus, being born again is not easy. If some church pastor or some other brother or sister told you it was, shame on them. It's work to follow him. What did it cost Jesus to do it right? That's right. He was persecuted. He was beaten. He was hung on a cross. And as his disciple, you think it's going to be any different for you? For me? Thank you. Pick up your cross and come after me, he said. That means it ain't going to be easy. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Right? Brother Clarence, I love you, man. You are always, he's such an encourager. If I need to get encouragement, I look over here. Some of you are still sitting here. Go ahead. Go ahead, Pastor. Knock it off. Holy Spirit's going to before we're done here. You, you, just keep, you just keep that attitude. We'll see where this goes. Here's the beauty. When we listen to the Holy Spirit's voice and do what he tells us to do, he shows up. In an amazingly big way. How many know he wants to do things in us that have never been done? Jesus said this, you will do things that are even greater than some of the things I did. I don't think we're there yet. I think he's looking for a church without spot or wrinkle that's willing to lay down everything sacrificially so that he can pour himself into us. And once he does, you hang on. You see what he does then. You see what he does when you walk into school and the very presence, the very aura of God is on you and in you. And you bump into somebody and they're like, whoa, what was that? Why? Because that's the kind of God we serve. He's a living God. He's the only God that's alive. Did you know that most of the memorable outpourings of the Holy Spirit happened as a result of Christians who were hungry for God, they got together and they said, you know what, we're just going to shut the door and we're going to wait and we're going to just see what happens. Huh. Think about it. Pentecost. Remember? Remember the upper room? How many started? About 500, right? How many were there when the Holy Spirit showed up? 120. What happened to the other 480? Or, Sorry. Bad math, 380. <laughs> Where'd they go? Ring. Oh, oh yeah, lunchtime, okay, I'll be there. Ring. Oh, oh yeah, soccer practice, okay, I'll be there. Okay, maybe they didn't have phones, but stuff happens. Life happens. God is saying to us, are you willing to spend time with me? To enter into that upper room and shut the door and wait What happened after he came? The Holy Spirit. What happened after the Holy Spirit came? What did he do with them? 
He baptized them in His Spirit. And the church, the church grew. Yes. More souls added to the kingdom. The Bible says at the end of that day, somewhere around 3,000 people came to Jesus. How awesome would that be? God knows how to grow His church. But we need to give Him room in our own lives. Let me ask you this. What do you want from the Lord? Or do you want anything? This is scary. Because I think sometimes, how many know that if you don't aim for something, you will miss it every time. You'll hit it. You'll hit that, that goal, right? What do you want from God? The Lord shared this with me and he said, I want you to pinpoint the people on this. Because here's the thing, we don't have because we haven't asked. He wants to give us so much more for our family's sake, for our friends' sake, for the nation's sake. But we're not asking. We're satisfied with the mundane. I don't want to bother God. Really? Is that what the Bible says? Don't bother me because I don't have time for you. I shared this last week. He said, come to me, you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens. And I will what? Give you rest. And the load I give you, the yoke I tie you up with, is going to be light in comparison. He gives us permission But we need to let him know what we want. So if you haven't done so, consider what it means to spend time with the Lord. Make an altar in your heart and worship him. Soak in him and get saturated in his spirit. I love Psalm 37, 4. Some of you probably have this memorized. Take delight in the Lord and what? I love this. How many have heart's desires? God wants to give them to you. Put him first. Put him first. Make him number one, the big kahuna in your life. And you will find that your heart's desires are given to you. So why is it necessary to make an altar? What does it do for us? One of the reasons that we go to the altar, and this is important, is to ensure that there is nothing between us and the Lord. And I already talked about that in my own life. But Paul makes this clear in 2 Corinthians, and this is the Amplified, uh, chapter 13, verse 5. Examine and test and evaluate your own selves. Who's going to do it? We are. Examine and test and evaluate your own selves to see whether you are holding to whose faith? Not your mama's, not your daddy's, but your faith. And showing The proper fruits of it. You know, there are other kinds of fruit. There's fruit you can eat, there's fruit you can't eat. God's talking about Holy Ghost fruit. Good fruit. He wants you to produce good fruit. Test and prove yourselves, not Christ. In other words, you're not testing Him. You're testing you. Everything in Christ is yes and amen. We already know that. You're testing you. Do you really believe? 
Do you not yourselves realize and know thoroughly by an ever-increasing experience, oh, I love that, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless you are what? I read that and I went, oh, man, say this. Lord, don't let me be a counterfeit. Disapproved, on trial, and rejected. Wow. It's up to you, Christian, to ensure that your heart is right with the Lord. You can't have idols set up within your heart and expect the Holy Spirit to live there as well. You need to clear the altar. One of my favorite scriptures, <laughs> 1 Samuel chapter 5. I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 5, or 1 through 4. After the Philistines captured the ark of God, realized the reason that they captured it was because the priests had made the altar, the temple, a mundane thing. They no longer honored God the way that he challenged them to honor him. And they let their lives go. In fact, the Bible says the priest became fat. That's never a good thing. That's why I'm trying to lose weight. But you're a priest too. Poke your neighbor and say, you're a priest. So it's not just me that he's talking about here. They carried the ark of God, which also means the ark of the Lord's presence, into the temple of Dagon, and they placed it beside an idol of Dagon. Now this is what happens in your heart, in the altar of your heart, when you set up other idols. Watch this. Verse 3. But when the citizens of Ashdod went to see it the next morning, what happened? Dagon had fallen with his face to the ground in front of the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and they put him in his place again. They weren't smart enough to figure out. God wanted nothing to do with his little G. All right, so what do they do? They set it back up, which so many of us do this. God says, get rid of it. Next thing we know, we're putting it back. But the next morning, the same thing happened. <laughs> Dagon had fallen face down before the ark of the Lord again. This time his head and hands had broken off and were lying in the doorway. Only the trunk of his body was left intact. What does this show us? God ain't messing around. All right? You cannot have idols in the altar of your heart and expect the Holy Spirit to live there. There's going to be a nuclear warhead dropped if you do. And believe me, you don't want that. Get rid of it. God does not accept the worship of any other gods. He refuses to share his space with any other little gods. So here's the thing. If you want more of God, how many do? Raise your hand. You, if you want more of God, here's what you do. You go to the altar of your heart and you do inventory. You test and you evaluate your heart. You prove that you are not a counterfeit, just talking the Christian language, right? But not willing to make the necessary sacrifices. Instead, you're going to get right with the Lord. You're going to do whatever He says to you 
If there's something in your life, you're going to get rid of it. You're going to lay it down at the cross and you're going to, you're going to dig a hole, you're going to bury it, and you're not going to go back and pick it back up again. I believe that's what the Lord wants us to do with this. This is our spiritual duty according to Peter. 1 Peter 2.5 And you are living stones that God is building into His spiritual temple. How many can say amen? What's more, you are His holy priest, or some versions say holy priesthood. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you, say you, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Nobody else can offer a spiritual sacrifice in your place. Only you can do that in your, in your altar of your heart. Only you. All of us are priests. Holy priests. So what was the primary responsibility of the priests in the Bible? I already said it. To offer sacrifices. Thank you. So when Peter calls us modern day priests, what's our job? Living sacrifices. Make an altar in your heart. Make an altar. You don't have to, thankfully, thanks to Jesus, we don't have to go out and slit animals' throats. That's gross. I love animals too much. I'd never have a sacrifice. But there are things that the Holy Spirit is telling us right now. You need to get rid of this. You need to lay it down. We are still expected to tend the altar of our hearts, even though it's an Old Testament thing. You are still expected to tend the altar of your heart. I love this. I, I, I read this on, uh, it was a CBN devotion by Sharon Elliott, and I wanted to quote it, a little bit of it. It is my responsibility, Sharon Elliott said, to build an altar to the Lord in my heart, to maintain it, and to visit it frequently. She called it being altar conscious. That's our responsibility. You and me. Nobody else can do this for you. Only you. And hear this, your altar is always with you. You can't get away from it. So if you follow other gods... If you contaminate your altar or your heart, then it's going to lead to displeasing God himself. Who wants that? I want to please God. Again, when he comes back for us, I want to hear one thing. Well done, my good and faithful servant. But if we set up these or allow these other altars, these other gods to be set up on this altar of our heart, We're going to displease the Lord. And the fruit that you bear in your heart is a direct result of your dedication and sacrifice to God as you tend to Him and honor Him with His presence. Let me ask you this. Who can see your altar? Who can see your heart? Jesus, who else? Us. And that's it. Two people. Two. God and you. Right? 
I said this before, don't be a pretender. Pursue the living God. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't put on a face that you're really not that person. Be real with God. As I begin to close, what does your altar look like? What condition is the altar of your heart in? Would you stand with me? I saw this picture. When the, when the Holy Spirit hovers over you, what does He see? Earlier I said, you know, will you leave the light on for Jesus? Is that you? Does He find a, a welcome sign inviting Him in? Open for Jesus? Or is it the opposite? Not today, Lord. Yeah, I'm really not feeling religious today, Lord. Really not feeling it. You know, Lord, I've got this other little idol I want to deal with today. Can you just, like, give me a couple days? Is that you? Is your trunk filled with junk? One last thing. The condition of your heart is directly proportional to how much of the Holy Spirit you are saturated with. What's that mean? You want to look like Jesus? You've got to get rid of the junk and let them in. You wonder why people aren't flocking to the church? Because there's a bunch of pretenders in the church. A bunch of people who claim to be Christian, but they got all these little idols set up. want more of God, you need to surrender to God. That means everything. Get rid of the idols. Get rid of the sins of the flesh. I have a song that I'm going to ask them to play in the back. And as this song is playing, it's a song called Gracefully Broken by Matt Redman. As it's playing, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit this one question. Holy Spirit, is there something in my life? Is there any idol in your place in my life? And if he says yes, I want you to come up here just as an act of submission, as an act of surrender while we're singing this song. I just want you to come up here. You can, you can kneel if you're able to. You can stand. You can lay on your face. Just find room up here because I have a feeling many people are going to be coming up here. And as you do that, when this song finishes, I'm going to pray with you. We're not here to embarrass anybody. We're here to get our slate clean. So go ahead and play that song. And then afterwards, we'll pray. The Lord is doing something supernatural here today. You have battled with this idol for a long time, he's saying. And he's going to set you free today. We started out earlier with a song that said that the devil is a liar. And he is. He wants to convince you that you can't leave that thing. It's too important to you. It's got a grip on you. But you know what? Say this with me. If God be for me, who can be against me? No weapon formed against me will prosper. 
will have an effect on me. And today, I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus, my Lord. I stand on all the promises of God's mighty word. All of those promises are yes and amen in Jesus. And Lord, keep praying this with me. And Lord, I ask you right now, if there's anything in my life, any sin, any idol, which is sin, God, forgive me. And now I pray that you would wash me clean, cleanse me of all my unrighteousness, and turn me into a new person. The old man is dead. The new man is ready for the new wine that you're going to give me. And now I pray, fill me, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. I'm going to turn the light on. You are welcome in this place. Put your hand on your heart. Lord, I surrender my heart. Say this. All that I am, all that I have, I give it to you. And now keep me. Don't let me slide back. Don't let me slither back into that old life again. But help me to live pure and clean. A holy priest in your royal priesthood. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray today. And everybody said, Amen. To God be all the glory and all the praise. You may not feel it, but you are just changed. And the Holy Spirit wants you to know this right now. You're His. You have been sealed in the blood of Jesus. So go out of here. Not this wimpy little Christian. But give him a shout. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! <laughs> and one final thing. If, if you're new to the Lord and you need a little help, the, the guys have got a book back here to give you and a Bible if you need one. Grab that on your way out. Listen, we love you. Live your life for Jesus. Keep the light on. And let's serve Him all the remaining days we have. Amen. Heavenly Father, again we pray that you would keep us safe in our coming and in our going. Use us, Lord, in a mighty way. We place ourselves in your hands. Mighty potter, we are the clay. Shape us and mold us and use us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus' name.